It's a night when we talk of angels. Angels, these strange creatures that must be so terrifying and so awe-inspiring because the first thing they often say when they show up in the Bible is, wait, don't be afraid. Yet, in tonight's tale of old, these otherworldly creatures who carry the news of the universe didn't appear to the rich or the powerful or even the well-liked. In fact, angels appeared with news important enough to disrupt the order of powerful rulers, of empires, of billionaires, to shepherds. People that no one other than other shepherds really liked. You see, shepherding was a necessary and important profession. But at the time Luke wrote his gospel, Shepherds were considered liars and thieves. They were such outcasts that the testimony of shepherds was not admissible in court. And many towns had ordinances barring shepherds from coming into their city limits. The religious establishment took a particularly dim view of shepherds since the regular exercise of shepherds' duties kept them from observing the Sabbath. Therefore, they were routinely ritually unclean. The Pharisees classed shepherds with tax collectors and prostitutes, persons who were sinners by virtue of their vocation. So the first people on earth to be told of a miraculous birth were people outside of the Roman society and outside of polite Jewish society. They were the necessary unseen and certainly outsiders. This gnarly band of shepherds heads to Bethlehem to see if this hard-to-believe tale by otherworldly and frightening beings was true. And when they arrive in Bethlehem, they found Mary, Joseph, and their new baby, and the shepherds tell them what had happened to them. So often when we see nativity scenes or creches, they're populated with Mary and Joseph and the baby and Jesus and shepherds and wise men and a wise assortment of farm animals. And we forget that the angel wasn't there. It was Mary who had gone through labor with just Joseph who, no disrespect meant, probably didn't know anything about helping in childbirth, their newborn, and that assortment of household animals that lived in the bottom floor of a house, and probably a lot of fleas. And their first guests were an uninvited bunch of people that no one probably even Mary and Joseph, wanted to be around. We're told that the shepherds, when they left, they told everyone about their experiences as they returned to their duties. 
And we're told that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see, when Mary was first pregnant, she left her hometown to go stay with her cousin Elizabeth. We don't know why. Perhaps it was to escape the danger that accompanied the condition of being an unmarried pregnant woman, which was punishable by stoning. The angel Gabriel had told her that her elderly cousin was also pregnant, so perhaps Mary went to be where she thought her unbelievable story might be believed and where she would be safe. When Elizabeth saw Mary, she exclaimed great pleasure in seeing her and acknowledged that there was something profound about Mary. And it was then that Mary sang her great hymn, what we now call the Magnificat. And Mary declared that the proud and the powerful will be separated because they're only going to think of themselves that there will be a time of great equalizing when there would no longer be the oppressors and the oppressed, that God's promises were real in the days of her ancestors, they were real in her day, and they will be real always. So Mary's thoughts about her baby, her expectations, were full of divine portent of universal importance, and yet when it comes time for her to give birth, she has no help, no proper place to rest, and her first visitors were a bunch of smelly shepherds. It seems that even to one considered an outsider, an unwed mother, there were even those farther on the outside. God's message of peace, of hope, of glory, really was meant for everyone who sees it. Luke's nativity narrative includes some of the most beautiful and beloved verses in Christian literature. We've grown so accustomed to it, at least I have, that we often fail to see how challenging this story really is to our worldviews. If God chooses outsiders to be the life bearer of and the first messengers of good news, then who are we to name anyone an outsider? And if God pushes even Mary to the edge of her comfort zone, then who are we to say God is not speaking to us when we hear what sounds like good news coming from someone we're told to dislike. There's something about humans that causes us to name certain others as outsiders. African Americans, Tutsis, Bosnian Croats, people in Gaza, Jews, non-binary and transgendered men and women, those in the Dalit or the untouchable caste, Immigrants, prisoners, people without homes, addicts, pregnant women who make decisions to have abortions, shepherds. 
We don't have to look hard to discover our terrible history with ignoring, at best, hating, criminalizing, and engaging in genocide at worst to see that we always have had an exceptional talent when it comes to naming outsiders. The beautiful story we hear tonight tells us that we need not be tied to this miserable history, this terrible habit. God's good news is not about fitting in. God's good news is that if we keep pushing the boundaries of our comfort zones to include those that we consider outsiders, that we all will be neither inside or out. We will all just be together. Another great writer with an exceptional command of the language once wrote, imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and we all can live as one. Even the unwed mothers and shepherds and all. Amen. Tonight is a night that we recognize peace on earth and goodwill to all. And I bring to you the peace of Christ. And I ask that you would share it with one another. The peace of Christ be with you.